Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 62, Sharing Survival Strategies? Remember or die? What? That seems a little <laughs> drastic, right? <laughs> yeah, but if you're a bird, these are very important things as we head towards winter. You got to have those strategies in place. Ooh, yeah. Survival strategies. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about a few of those and specifically one of them looking really closely at caching. You know, what's the secret to success for a bird surviving in the wintertime? What does the magic power of the brain have to do with caching? And even I learned recently, hmm, how does triangulation come into play? Well, Brian, the only caching I do is when I go to the bank machine. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit different than how people cache. We can get in and talk about what the birds do with caching. So remember, stick around for the fun. All right, Brian, episode 62, my man. Wow, we're moving right down the old <laughs> lineup of episodes. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. But hey, I think you and I have both done some traveling lately, but I've been home long enough to kind of get a feel for what's going on in my, I, you know, I went camping for about a week and oh, yeah. I've been home long enough to get a kind of a feel for what's going on in my yard. And, and definitely the times, they are a changing. Mm, oh, I bet. I bet your yard's the same as mine where, dude, where'd the birds go? Right? It got quiet. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is much the, the, you know, whenever I leave. And you do the same thing. You know, I put out foods, hopefully, that'll last the majority, if not all of the time. I use a lot of cylinders. They're great when you leave and go on vacation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I fill up my hopper feeder full and I put out a couple of, you know, extra pieces of um, uh, suets, you know, suet cakes and, and a suet cylinder and that type of thing. And I was really surprised how much of it was still left when I got back. And in watching over the last uh, couple of days since I've been back home, uh, the activity has really slowed down. Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's I know a natural, some, natural yeah. time of year for that to happen yeah. all across yeah. North America. And we hear yeah. about it all the time. People people send us emails or they go into the stores and they say, what's going on? Where'd all my birds go? Mm -hmm. and, and the reality is this is a very, uh, first of all, it's a very predictable thing. It happens this time of year every year. And it really has to do with the fact that birds when this time of year comes along, have a huge abundance of natural food supplies. Mm -hmm. All the nuts and berries and acorns and everything else that, that, that is, you know, in full abundance right now. You know, they prefer, you know, we, we think, you know, they love our foods that we offer in our feeders, which they do, but they don't become habituated to. And when they get a chance to hit all these really abundant natural food supplies, mm -hmm. they're going to do it. Oh, of course. Which does happen across North America. And it, it's it's really neat to, to think about too, if I'm planting native plants in my yard, then 
when they go to seed and they, they go to fruit and, and you get the nuts, then you get to watch the, the activity. It's not at your feeders anymore this time mm-hmm. of year. It's on those things, which is really fun to watch. But then they're just supplementing like they're doing in my yard right now. And I know they're doing in your yard. They're just coming in and grabbing a morsel and boom, they're gone. So they're yeah. not even really hanging out. Now, there's always that exception. The doves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. doves just like to sit, gobble everything up and then move on if if uh, they feel like moving on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine likes to stay in the tray after eating lots and lots of food. But all the other little birds, nope, grab that food and off yeah. they go. Yeah, a couple of, a couple of exceptions to the activity level is obviously hummingbirds. You know, we're in that time of year where the mm-hmm. uh, the youngsters are out and about and in in mass, and so they're coming and going. Yeah, I just was watching three or four of them fight in front of my feeder just a few seconds ago. Uh, so that activity level is going through the roof, and and there's probably some potentially early migrants starting to come through heading south. So the activity at hummingbird feeders is is at an all time high. And oh, the other cool thing for me is I think I had a I'm not, I'm not think I'm pretty sure I had a second nesting of my Carolina wrens because the bird I'm seeing all over and they're and they're still working the insects. They're going to all the little mm-hmm. spider webs under the oh, eaves yeah. of my shed and working the the crevices and that type of thing. And I'll see three or four of them out there at one time right now, which I love that bird. That's one of my I have to say it is one of my top top birds i love yeah. them they're just so cool and they said such a big voice for such a little bird and and uh, have them on your yard 24 7 is just really cool and all those young are coming off the nest or they've been off the nest and now they're just chasing mom and dad so that yeah. might actually not be a slow time at your feeder because they're like feed me feed me feed me yeah. feed me yeah. <laughs> yeah. here they come that's a really good example yeah but shall we dive in well, you mentioned the birds are kind of coming and going instead mm-hmm. of hanging around the feeders. They come in, grab a seed and going. And that's really kind of the core of what we're going to be talking about. So with that little teaser. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don, I'm excited. Sharing survival strategies. What do birds do? And who knew that right now, you know, it's late summer. Okay. Birds are actually right now preparing for winter. So I enjoy that, you know, we think about, oh, they're actually thinking ahead. They're planning ahead. Not all of us do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some some of us are starting to think about that <laughs> fall wardrobe. You know, summer is starting to wane and there's something about don't wear white after Labor Day or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I took that away one time. I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. Apparently, I... Uh, Need to pay more attention to my attire, um, but <laughs> I know I always look forward to fall and winter and getting hoodies out and just kind of snuggling in a little bit more, wearing some more of that, that comfortable fall clothing. And that's one of the things birds do to prepare for winter. Some actually put on more feathers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. To, so mm-hmm. they can survive the cold. It's more dense uh, feathers or more feathers. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of survival strategies in, the, in that regards. Yes, if you're going to hang around, you definitely get up, get get prepared for the cold weather, and you know you might change your diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of birds that in the summer, spring, early fall are primarily insect eaters, and some of them, uh, like our nuthatches, et cetera, switch to seeds, mm-hmm. and yes. that's that's how they get through the winter is going to seeds instead of the insects that they might have in their diet. You know, that reminds me of changing that summer, you know, tea and lemonade to we're moving into like all the pumpkin drinks. 
Maybe, maybe go, not quite the same for I, the burgers. But. <laughs> I, I go from a logger to a porter, but that's a whole other yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Count me in. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so some birds, you know, they say get the heck out of Dodge. You know, we have a whole oh, hundreds of birds that migrate south, whether it's just a couple of states farther south or whether it's all the way to the Gulf Coast or whether it's all the way to South America. But a lot of our birds just simply get the heck out of Dodge and don't even know what winter is when it gets right down to it. <laughs> They've never actually seen it or experienced it. But we do have a lot of birds that hang around. And a lot of them are our backyard bird feeding birds. Mm-hmm. And a number of them, and I think that's the core of what you and I are excited to share with people, uh, is a number of them prepare for the survival in the wintertime by literally hoarding food and the term they give it is caching food they come in they get food at your feeders or they get natural foods out of trees or whatever and they hide it and they go stash it somewhere and dozens of different strategies on how they do it depending on which bird yeah i think about back to we did a uh, an episode on squirrels and they do hoarding Mm -hmm. in the winter time and do what's called larder hoarding um, or scatter hoarding, um, and kind of that larder hoarding is like the pantry concept. You just store a bunch of foods in one place, and then mm-hmm. scatter hoarding is that you you are caching or hoarding things you're, all you're over the place. All, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, eh? Yeah, <laughs> you betcha. Because <laughs> if you're spending all that amount of time, and that's kind of cool, putting all the eggs in one basket. If you spend all that time and you're you're caching all this food, you don't want that cache to get raided, and boom, now all your food's yeah. gone. Uh, so most of the birds seem to do the scatter hoarding, but there's one that's kind of the poster child f- as a bird for caching. And they do that pantry style caching, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. I wish we had that bird in the East because yeah. the acorn woodpecker talk about a beautiful, <laughs> some people call it the clown bird, just kind of, yeah. it's got a nice yeah. eye ring and multicolors color. Yeah. Beautiful. But yeah, they do what's, it's called the granary, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Some might call it the pantry, the, the more scientific term, the granary. But which is really cool because they're caching predominantly acorns. Hence, that's where they get their name. And that's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> I love that we can make things You're simple, a right? <laughs> Makes it easy. But it's really cool how they actually make. Um, little holes and generally they're doing it in dead trees and they make little holes side by side by side and just this whole grid pattern and they make the holes and put acorns in them just big enough that the acorns are going to be able to stay put in that little hole yeah they kind of pound them in yeah it's really cool to see these things Um, fascinating technique that they use too is they're not just putting that in is that if they're not eating it soon enough acorns as they start to dry out get a little bit smaller so they actually manage their their granary and and move them around to new holes i mean that is i don't think any other bird in the world does anything like that at least not in north america that i'm aware of right it's always it's a it's a communal effort you know it's not just one bird that's maintaining this and if you've ever seen look it up folks or we'll have a link maybe to a picture on our uh our uh, uh notes page but the uh, tree, it's actually this, you know, typically it is a dead tree. And it is just, I mean, there are 
hundreds. It's not just one or two acorns. Mm -hmm. This is hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of acorns in this one tree. And it's a group of, of uh, woodpeckers, acorn woodpeckers, that are managing the granary and taking care and actively guarding and, like you're saying, moving and protecting, you know, their their food supply. So it's it's mm -hmm. amazing. I've had the chance to see it twice in my life. I'm mean, again being from the east of the Mississippi, if you will. I had, <laughs> you know, when I get out west, I try to experience as much as I can. I've been lucky enough a couple of times to actually see granary trees and it's just amazing and the other cool thing about these birds they're they're so vocal you know <laughs> the, oh, the, yeah. the sound you know you you know <laughs> you're in the right place because you're going to hear them so it's just a it's just a really so they're really the poster child for storing or caching the food supply for mm -hmm. going into the winter well and i think that difference of the acorn woodpecker versus all these other birds mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I am sure that there are birds in every listener's backyard in North America yep. here that you have probably at least one species of bird that is caching food, but they're not doing it like the acorn woodpecker. They're doing it individually and they do it so they're doing it and trying to do it in secret. They are not doing a cooperative scenario. Here's my food. I'm hiding That's my right. food. Don't watch That's me right. hide my food or I'll wait and hide my food. Don't, don't you be touching my food. Yeah. yeah. But then one of those really amazing scientific secrets is the hippocampus for all what? of these other caching birds. Yeah. The part of the spatial memory of uh, in the brain. And birds is called the hippocampus and the birds spit that spatial memory actually grows this time of year. So it's like they're putting an extra hard drive in their head mm. and that way they can remember all the places they're putting each one of these little seeds. And we're not talking yeah. 10 or a hundred, we're talking thousands yeah. of little yeah. morsels of food. So holy cow, their brain yeah. increasing in yeah. size. They can remember stuff. And, and what's, fascinating well the, the piece of that that i've always just blows my mind is that they have a larger hippocampus than non-caching birds to begin with it's a larger mm -hmm. space in their brain but going into fall they actually grow the amount of space for that hippocampus and in essence put on more hard drive space mm -hmm. for their helping them to remember and so come spring you think okay you know next year they're going to have all these memories and everything and it's going to they actually then shrink back down the hippocampus and it's like cleaning the hard drive and they start fresh the next fall. It is just mind blowing that they have that ability to do that. So <laughs> well, I, it makes me wonder if, if you have the extra space in your head. So come summer, you're an airhead. I mean, <laughs> 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 I don't know. Where do, where's that space? Well, get played. Bought well, up played. From and <laughs> yeah, well played. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an amazing ability. And, and, uh, one of the one of the fun things, like you're saying, is it's not just one or two seeds; it's hundreds, if not thousands, of seeds. And, mm -hmm. and to know each one individually, and like our our, our uh, chickadees, you know, they'll hide these seeds, mm -hmm. you know, under leaves in crevices in the bark. They'll hide them under the shingles on your house. They'll hide them in the crevices in your siding. You know, they'll put them all these different locations and places, and and then know exactly where they were and go yeah. back and find them again. Man, John, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could increase our hippocampus like the birds? I'd be all over that. Actually, I, there, there was a thing I saw that basically says that if you take a walk and go to a park and take a walk like three times a week for a year, 
there is apparently the hippocampus in the human brain is one of the few areas of the brain that can actually grow new cells. What? And I know. Boom. And apparently you have to exercise it. And apparently, again, you know, those landmarks that we were talking about. Yeah. Apparently, if you go walk in a park and do, you know, trails or whatever, if you exercise that by, you know, knowing where you're going and recognizing this, then where do I turn left on the trail? Where do I go right? Apparently, that after a year, this research says your hippocampus will actually have increased. Who? That's knew? cool. Isn't that That's amazing? Cool. <laughs> so, so I don't know what's our excuse, dude. I don't <laughs> Because you and I walk outdoors all the time. <laughs> right. I can't remember what day of the week it is. <laughs> and that begs the question. Okay, so the hippocampus gets bigger and they know where everything is. They, they've, they've figured out the birds are actually using clues in nature and landmarks. Uh, you know, where, where Farmer Johnson's cow used to stand, turn left at that road. You know, it's like <laughs> they're using those kinds of clues and landmarks, but also really fascinating like the Clark's Nutcracker, I recently learned, they figured out actually triangulate mm-hmm. using clues within that that little area where they're caching their food. They actually use triangulation. I don't know how that yeah. works, yeah. but man, if my hippocampus was growing that big proportionally, <laughs> I'd probably be acing yeah. a lot of those college courses these days. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that is one thing I just want to, uh, again, the hippocampus and understanding what it really is and how it works. I think one of the better illustrations that is out there is when you're driving, do you drive by directions? In other words, are you driving from Maple Street to Oak Street Ah. and turning left at Oak Street? Are you driving by landmarks? I'm going to the gas station. I turn right at the gas station. I go down the road and turn left at Walmart. If you're driving by landmarks, that's your hippocampus. That's your location memory, your spatial memory. And it helps these landmarks. And it's exactly what you're talking about with the birds. They're using landmarks to do this triangulation and navigate to their, their cache. So that's very cool. Um, the boreal chickie, too, is the other another neat one in that whole chickadee family. That's a little different. Mm-hmm. You think boreal chickadee, they live in boreal forests. So they live around a lot of conifers, uh, spruce, pines, and firs all those different kinds of trees. And so that means they live in snow areas. Snow, yep, yep. And they actually will cache a lot of their foods on the underneath side of branches. But do you know why? Maybe they just want to be different, Brian. Snow. <laughs> when snow yeah. falls on the top of those branches, now they can see from below where they've cached our food. I'm like, oh, these Brilliant. adaptations. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Black-capped chickadees, Carolina chickadees, mountain chickadees, boreal mm-hmm. chickadees. Um, and a neat thing on the, the mountain chickadees is they'll tuck it under lichen or under rocks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's yeah. really cool. Well, you know, over the eons, that kind of behavior becomes pretty self yeah screw up once and you're not going to be around long and <laughs> natural selection it, yeah natural selection absolutely well, the other thing brian is you know the, the, there are a whole host of uh, birds that do this caching mm-hmm. and, and most of them are scatter hoarders uh, and most of them do take one seat at a time. And that's the behavior for people to watch yeah. for at your feeders right now. And for yep. the next probably three months, give or take, watch your feeders and watch for that bird coming in 
and not sitting there. And a lot of times they'll sit there and they'll pick at seeds and, you know, I may even, mm-hmm. you know, put it like a chickadee, I'll put it in its feet and pound it and eat it right there. No, now they're coming in, grabbing a seed and they're gone. Oh, and yeah. You're looking at, yeah, that's the kind of <laughs> caching behavior you're, you're looking for in your birds in your backyard. Now, one of the other birds that doesn't just do one seed at a time, and you and I had, I think we've shared this before on the podcast, is blue jays and, and jays Ooh, in general. Jays in general, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah. you and I shared an experience with blue jays one time because mm-hmm. we were sitting in my office talking about something, and I had a, a hopper feeder right outside the window with nothing but black oil sunflower seed in it. And somewhere, you know, I found a fun fact that basically they can – store 90 to 100 seeds in their crop, their gullet, whatever you, mm-hmm. you know, label you want to put on it, at a time. And they take those and go find a place to hide those and and, and deposit them and cache them. Yeah. And, and you and I and sit there. All, and they only put a few um, together. So yeah. out of all those they're carrying away, a couple yeah. get buried over there, one over there, a yeah. few more over here. So they're still scatter hoarding. Yeah. But holy cow, 100. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you and I sat there and watched the Blue Jays just coming and going, coming and going. And we literally would count the number of these were black oil sunflower seeds. And we always got to at least 90. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like it one, was two, amazing. three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, it was pretty cool <laughs> to actually witness that and be aware of what the cool part was. We were aware of what they were doing. Right. And so we could sit there and watch and really experience that this Blue Jay literally just sucked up 190 to 100 black oil sunflower seeds and flew off mm-hmm. to go hide them there's a story there yeah. there's what brings nature home and just you know just makes you feel like wow that is so cool yep well and it's neat too to know man these guys when they're caching it's not just sunflower seeds natural foods they love acorns and beech nuts mm-hmm. and they'll they'll cache up to two and a half miles away yeah two and a half miles away yeah. and why that's so mind-blowing is most of our caching birds do it within 40 meters. I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking within your yard or your neighbor's yard from your own feeder. So they're usually pretty pretty close to home, if you will, within one acre. And these guys are two and a half miles away. Yeah. But then the yeah, pinion jay? Yeah. Pinion jays are over six miles. Yeah. Six Amazing. miles. How do they remember that? <laughs> oh, there goes that hippocampus. Hard drive in the brain, man. Yeah. Six yeah. miles away. Well, one of my favorite little things I came across years and years and years and years ago is, that, you know, the, the glaciers back mm, in eons mm-hmm. ago when the glaciers came out of the north and just swept everything clean. And then when the glaciers started. Um, they were receding know, uh, back. Receding back and melting. Scientists can look at what the different pollens and they can age what species of plants returned very quickly after the ice melted and mm-hmm. left. And one of the things they found was oak trees. And they were like, how is that possible? Oak Why? trees, this is a heavy yeah. seed that falls on the ground, doesn't travel. You know, right. how did how did that get so aggressive to move north with the glaciers as they retreated? Right. Well, and it's not one of your pioneer species trees. No, Those no. earlier ones that naturally pop up and kind of pave the yeah. way for oaks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so the answer was Jay's. Dun, dun, dun. Jay's caching those, moving <laughs> two and a half miles, you know, and and planting them someplace that, that basically was for hiding, but not always getting back to them. Yeah. And so these oak trees 
marched forward very rapidly, uh, rapidly following the, the recession of the glaciers as they melted. Just so amazing. That was, yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool, first of all, that they did that. Pretty cool that the scientists can figure that out. Even even more amazing. We're putting yeah. all that together. You yeah. know, like Jay is cashing over 150,000 acorns <laughs> in a month. <laughs> you think about that. Acorns from I'm tiny little pin oaks to bigger... <laughs> Red oaks and black oaks and all sorts yeah. of different oaks. 150,000 acorns in a month. Yeah. And most of those are viable seeds that are going to grow if they don't yeah, come back and eat them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. And the jays, they love beech nuts off the mm -hmm. beech trees. They'll do thousands of those. The scrub jay out west loves to do oh, the pine things nuts, like pine right? nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not just the acorns, but yeah. there there is some i also came across something that said that basically because of that relationship between jays and oak trees mm -hmm. that there literally are 11 species of oak trees that basically are dependent on jays to spread their seeds for propagation which is you think about yeah. that we talk about a relationship there well and then you know stellars and scrub jays out uh, from central to west pine trees too i don't know how many pine trees but I've seen that too, where pine trees have become partially dependent on that transportation. It's mm -hmm. Amazing this relationship between birds and trees. Yeah, in nature, everything's connected, and you know that the the relationship between the birds caching natural foods and natural seeds, whether pine nuts, acorns, beech nuts, whatever it might be, if those birds aren't around. That upsets the entire system, and you're going to have issues with your trees not propagating and spreading the way they're supposed to. So it's all part of the beautiful, wonderful, you know, interwoven natural systems. And, and that's why all things in nature, our birds, our native plants, everything just are so important right now. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Before we leave jays, though, the Canada jay, this this is one of my favorite. I love when I get to talk about bird spit. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how versatile bird spit can be. It's like some kind of weird. I gotta find, uh, I gotta find a new partner on this. That <laughs> <laughs> Canada jays, uh, Canada jays have a pretty sticky saliva that they use kind of like a glue. So when they're caching something, mm -hmm. they they coat that seed or whatever that morsel is, which sometimes is mushrooms or insects, which is really neat. Uh, and then they stick it in a place like under a bark crevice or under lichen or under a rock or in a tree fork or um, even in like pine needle areas. But they always do it so it's going to be above the snow line when yeah. winter gets heavy with snow. Yeah. What? <laughs> Again, you only make a mistake that way once. And then, yeah. That's right. I buried everything at one foot, honey. Um, guess we're not eating this winter. <laughs> well, another cool fun fact that, that uh, you had related to me earlier, which I thought was very, very cool, and that's the red-breasted nuthatch in one of its places oh, at Lake yeah. Stafford Seed, which is, I, you know, I've not seen this, but I would, I'm going to start looking closer. I'm, I'm going to start looking. Yeah. yeah. Sapsucker so, holes. Yeah. Yeah, we have a, a woodpecker called a, a yellow-breasted uh, uh, sapsucker, and mm -hmm. it drills a bunch of little. It's it's almost like somebody took a 
I lousy, lousy uh, analogy, but <laughs> you know, like a, a machine gun and just went in a straight line across and in a straight line across. A little bitty, like a BB gun, a repeating yeah, BB yeah. gun. Because the holes are about that size, and they they literally drink the sap out in this you know out of the tree that comes out of that wound, and they insects come to that sweet sap and they'll eat the insects. Mm-hmm. But there's another use for it apparently. Yeah, cashing seeds and other yeah. foods up in there. Yeah, cashing insects even red-breasted nuthatches do that. It's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. You got yeah in the east you got the yellow-bellied sapsucker that does that, and then out west you got a, a handful of sapsuckers. Yeah. Yeah, that do that. Good. So, yeah. and, and they're kind of in different areas out West. You know, sometimes I think, man, the Western birds, they got a lot of really cool stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need more trips. We need, we need to live out there for about a year. What do you think? There you go. <laughs> I, I'm for it. <laughs> you know, I think uh, we definitely need to also talk about titmice and caching. Um, Cause they have uh, just a little bit different um, tactic and in some respects from a couple other birds where mm-hmm. they're usually taking when they pick up a seed out of our feeders to go and cache it, you know, this is going to be generally around your yard or within, within a, you or your neighbor's yard. They actually like to take, if there's shell on that seed, they'll shell yeah. the seed. Now it's a whole kernel and that's what they like to hide. Yeah. Which is, which is really neat. But then like a lot of chickadees actually half the time will take a whole kernel bite half of it, eat it and hide mm-hmm. the other half. It's mm-hmm. a totally different tactic. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's a good point, Brian. And, and one of the things that I traditionally advise people is if you are not using in the shell, um, a blend, you know, with, uh, you know, in the shell, black oil, uh, striped, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you might try it this time of year because there are a lot of birds, just like we're talking our blue jays, uh, and you know the other birds. Uh, they they like coming in and taking in the shell, and whether they cache it totally in the shell, which a lot of them do, or like you're saying, some of them take it out of the shell and just hide the kernel. Other ones take it out of the shell, eat part of it, and then hide the rest of it. Yeah. So uh, it, it's kind of fun this time of year if you don't feed a, a blend that's in the shell. Uh, you might try it just to have fun. Just see if it, it. Just see if you start watching and seeing caching behavior at that time on that feeder. Peanuts is also a great one this time yeah. of year. Yeah. Uh, really, really popular. Whether it's peanuts in the shell or peanuts out of the shell. Uh, but remember, just watch these behaviors. It's so much fun to see them in and out and in and out. And this is a naturally t- slower time for bird feeding. So it's if you've been feeding the birds, you've had some activity, and then poof. They're all gone. No, you're not doing anything wrong. Just make sure your feeders are clean. They're most likely caching seeds right Yeah, exactly right, Brian. I mean, again, we've seen this over and over. As I mentioned earlier, it's just predictable. I'd say this is going to happen. You're going to have that slowdown at your feeders. You're not doing anything wrong. Your food's not gone bad. You know, it's all because the birds are going to the natural foods that are so abundant, more abundant this time of year than any other time of the year. So, you're not doing anything wrong. Just keep watching, watching for that caching behavior when they do come to your feeders and grab a seed and go away and just sit back, relax, and, and enjoy the season. Now, 
Well, it's been a lot of fun talking about survival strategies and specifically getting into caching and how birds are storing and hoarding food for winter so they can be well prepared and, and make it through the colder, harsher weather times. So appreciate everyone joining us today. Please rate and review us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. And come back next time. We're going to talk about save birds, plant trees. Yeah, we're going to have a special guest from the Arbor Day Foundation that's going to help us talk about trees and how many benefits they have for our birds in our backyards. So until then, Brian and I are going to continue to let nature be our guide. So please, take care, be safe, and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, for show notes, or to find the Wild Birds Unlimited store near you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. And we really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But until next time, we hope you find a moment every day to relax and enjoy the birds.